Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org to donate. Thank you. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When you are a pastor, you are bound to have conversations about religion, and people have no problem telling you exactly what they think about religion and how they think religion works. It happens to me all the time, especially if I'm out in public and I've got my collar on, you can believe that people are going to give you their opinion. And I think religion sorts into one of two categories, generally speaking, when I talk to people. One is a religion of what I've called karma, right? Religion of karma. What does that mean? It means that through some sort of cosmic way, when we do good things, we can expect good things to happen to us. And when we do bad things, we can expect bad things to happen to us. And it might not happen instantly, like the John Lennon song, but it will happen eventually. And I think this satisfies sort of our ideas concerning religion, the way we think that the world should operate. This sort of idea, karmic understanding of things. That seems fair. And I think sometimes we fall into that same line of thinking. I'm a good person, therefore I must deserve good things to happen in life. If I'm maybe not such a good person, maybe I deserve the opposite. Or maybe we look at other people and we see that understanding at play. The other kind of conversation I have is, I would say, more in line with the gospel. It's people who understand that religion, especially Christian religion, and specifically Christian religion, is all about grace. It's a religion of grace. And in order to get at that idea, the idea that God freely gives us his salvation, his life, his forgiveness, I think we can return to one of the most famous lines in all of Christian hymnody and poetry. Amazing grace, those familiar words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You see, those second kinds of conversations that I have are actually encouraging because those people tend to remind me that we don't really deserve anything in life, but rather it's freely given. All the joys, all of the blessings that we have are simply given because God is good. Now, one of the things I think we work to do specifically here at St. James is to instruct people about what it means to be a Christian, to have a Christian worldview, to receive a Christian education. And at the heart of that endeavor, at the heart of that goal, lies grace, lies exactly what we're talking about in terms of a religion of grace. Because at the heart of what we do as a school ultimately flies counter to the way the rest of the world works. What do I mean by that? I think a lot of the world around us, a lot of culture, a lot of our day-to-day -day life relies on a karmic understanding that you do good things in order to merit good things, that you receive what you earn. It's totally a different approach compared to what we are trying to do here. Because, think back to Amazing Grace, if we're sinful, if we've fallen short, if we miss the mark, if we are a, as Amazing Grace puts it, a wretch, we don't expect to receive grace 
And yet that's exactly what we receive from God. And that's what we try to put into practice at St. James. Grace, undergirding, strengthening everything we do. We practice forgiveness. When we fall short, we remind kids how deeply loved they are in Christ Jesus. And we recognize that even though we are sinners, God is constantly showering his good gifts upon us. Gifts like an education, gifts like community, and life together. Now, what does that do? I think it changes our perspective, not just on church, not just on school, but about everything in life. It radically alters our perspective. And I think it should prompt an attitude of gratitude in our own lives, right? Because only those who have fallen short recognize their need for mercy. Only those who have been broken can recognize the healing that Christ provides. And that's exactly what our theme verse hits on from Colossians 2. On the front of your bulletin, you'll see it there. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So we can abound with gratitude, with thanksgiving, because we can recognize what we have received in Christ, that we can look at one another and see one another not as the world sees us, not as merely deserving of the attitude and opinion of the other person based on what they've done, but rather we can see other people as God in Christ sees us, not as a sinner, not as broken, but as a saint, as forgiven, as people worthy of God's love and affection. Because God doesn't look at us and see what we've earned and see what we've deserved, right? God looks at us and sees what is freely given in Christ. Righteousness, life, grace, and mercy. That's the central thing that if they come away learning anything, we hope that everybody gets a wonderful, excellent education, that they go on to wonderful high schools throughout all their lives. But that foundation is at the core, that they come away understanding that God loves them, that God is merciful, that God has forgiven them in Christ. And I think that's why we're here. That's why we're here as a church and school community at this specific time, in this specific place. Because that message has power in today's culture and context. If we're honest, the society we live in is all about, I would say, more, now more than ever, accountability. Right? It's about uh, making sure people get their just desserts and ultimately that they get exactly what they deserve. Karma. Right? That karmic understanding. That's the same idea here. And we might call it something different, but this is all the religion of the law. Lutherans understand this idea really well because Luther had to speak out against this understanding in the Reformation. Christianity was not about how holy you had become, how much work you had done, how well you had fulfilled the law. Why did Luther say that? Because the law always and only accuses us. The law constantly weighs us down, crushes us under its demands. What does the law do? It kills. And yet the gospel has the power to make alive. The gospel reminds us it's not about what we do, it's about what Christ has already done. That's the religion of grace. That's what we need, and that's what we teach and preach here at St. James both church and school-wise. 
Now, what's interesting is this isn't just a thing that we do in church today. It's in the Bible, right? And uh, we saw that clearly in our Old Testament reading. See, in the Old Testament, Israel was given a specific task. They were chosen for a specific task. They were to be a light shining in the darkness, an oasis in the midst of the wilderness that is this world. And God's gracious words of forgiveness, life, and salvation were to be at the core of what they did. Listen closely and see if you can pick up on that theme. God, through Isaiah, says, The foreigners, those outsiders, join themselves to the Lord, those ones who love the name of the Lord, becoming his servants. If they keep the Sabbath, he's going to bring them to the holy mountain and make them joyful in this house of prayer. And interestingly, he says this, My house will be called a house of prayer for all people. Not just one nation, not just one person, but instead all people. Israel was never meant to exist for itself. Israel was always meant to include an open invitation to come and see what the Lord had done on their behalf. So Israel was always meant to be a house of prayer for all people. We might even say they were meant to be a gift of grace for the nations, that light shining in the darkness. I think, St. James, we can say this is our calling today as well because we are members of the church, members of the body of Christ. We can be a light shining in the darkness, an oasis in the midst of the desert, and ultimately do what? Show God's grace. And thereby, this is a really interesting environment for a service. I've never had airplanes flying directly overhead before. We can show God's grace, and that's then an open invitation to come and receive what God has done. And in order to get at that, we have to understand what grace is. What is God's grace? It's a gift first and foremost. And this is an important spiritual lesson, and I hope that we take this to heart, that grace is not something that can be hoarded for ourselves. When we try to hold on to it, we turn it to ashes in our grasp. But when we give grace away, that's precisely how we find that we've come to possess it. So ultimately, you can see this idea, yes, in overall everyday Christian practice, but you can also see the same concept in our gospel lesson, right? That open invitation, the idea that grace is to be given away, freely shared, is actually at the core of Jesus' exchange with this Canaanite woman. You see, this Canaanite woman, a foreigner, comes to Jesus looking for a favor, right? She wants something from him. And she says, Lord, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And Jesus gives totally backwards answers from what we expect him to do, right? We expect Jesus to always answer with a yes or to be at the ready to provide a miracle. And yet Jesus is sort of playfully acting out the idea that God's grace is only for those whom God has chosen, right? He's kind of playing a part, trying to get at the heart of what the gospel is all about. So she presses this matter. She says, Lord, I need your help. I need your intervention. And what does Jesus say? Oddly, he says, that's not right to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. What on earth is Jesus talking about here? And I think at that point, you see the greatest comeback line in the entirety of the Bible. The woman says to Jesus, mind you, Lord, even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the master's table. Jesus loves that response. Why does Jesus love that response? 
because she recognizes who the master is. In other words, she recognizes who God is. And Jesus responds, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you desire. So that table was never meant for just one set of people, just one group, one nation. That table, because the master was good and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, was always meant to have an extra place set, was always meant to have an open invitation that others would come and receive what was prepared there. So this woman recognizes that God's love abounds, it overflows, and it doesn't just give us little scraps. Instead, it's like the feeding of the 5,000. What's left over is in itself an abundant feast. God is always satisfying the hungry heart with the bread of life, which is Christ Jesus. So that idea is central to who we are as well. There should always be an open spot at the table, an open invitation to come and receive what God has prepared in our midst. I hope that you find that at St. James. If you are not involved in church, I hope that you're able to take advantage of all that St. James has to offer. Because at the core of what we do is that missional idea that there's always room for another. That others, too, can come and receive what God has prepared. Because God is always extending that open invitation to us. No matter who we are, no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, He is freely forgiving, freely loving, and showing forth his grace in profound ways. So may that kind of generosity in turn awaken a generosity in us. May we abound with gratitude and thanksgiving, knowing what God in Christ has done for us, that he has gone to the cross, defeating death forever, that he has risen from the dead, guaranteeing new life for all. And may that foster a deep sense of gratitude so we might be conduits of God's grace, passing that forward in our everyday life, at school, in the classroom, in our community, in our cities, and in our lives together. Ultimately, God's grace is calling out to us so that every person might hear this message of repentance and faith that lies at the heart of our religion of grace. Ultimately, we hope that people come and receive, taste and see that the Lord is good and come to receive the bountiful banquet that the Lord has prepared in the face of all people. Amen. May the peace that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.